Welcome to the latest episode of High Output AI, where Tom and Elliot talk AI and the tools and technologies that make AI happen. Hey everyone, hope you're doing well. Sorry we haven't got an episode to you this week. Instead, to make sure we're giving you something, I thought I would get together one of our old episodes before we were even an AI podcast. This comes from episode two, and in it we discuss different AI takeoff speeds and whether innovation comes as an S-curve or a step change or something else completely different. Anyway, forgive us for the early days of the podcast. We probably also refer to it as we absolutely should start a podcast, which was what we called the podcast when we had no idea what to call it. Anyway, once again, Press the like button, subscribe, leave us a review, any comments, hit us up on Discord, leave us any comments on Twitter. You know what to do at this point. But anyway, once again, thanks for tuning in and we'll see you next time. All right, we're back. Episode two, hopefully this time with 100% less echo. (laughs) Brought to you by Less Echo Inc. (laughs) Yes, yes. That was was an oversight on our part. But look, if you suffered through that, I can promise it's uh, all up from there. 50 anyway. episode specials. We'll re-record <laughs> that one. Uh, in a cave for even more echo. <laughs> it'll, be, it'll be brilliant. Uh, all right, How sweet. Are you, how are yeah. you this week, Matt? Yeah, I'm good. I am good. It's uh, currently the 8th of April. we got a week until a bit of an Easter break. And then uh, I don't know if you get the same ones over there, but we've got like three or four four week four day weeks in a row because of all the public dog i don't i don't be nice i don't work two days a week anyway no (laughs) true true yeah good what are you drinking what are you drinking to celebrate friday oh what have i got i have a don't know if that's gonna auto focus it is a henry young henry's brewers b-sides and and you'll love this one mate it's a watermelon and mandarin sour that sounds like absolute garbage. Tom does not like sours. He is a Puritan. He only drinks VB and sometimes a 4X. Other That's way around. A joke that around. only a very small portion of people in the world are going to understand. It's not even funny for those. Anyway, what are you drinking, Tom? I, uh, I'm, I'm on my second coffee of the day because you stitched me up. I got up early, I prepared prepared my little espresso there's a roca blend for the espresso uh but then dogs needed walking so uh, i drank that and now we're on to the uh uh pericule blend this week from packed coffee filter pour one episode i'll uh, dive into the 40 60 method of pour over that i use so Beautiful. anyway I can't it's hot and steamy and it's satisfying my caffeine addiction very good very good. All right. So this week, uh, Tom and I are going to be talking about two things, or at least two things. We'll probably talk about more. Uh, a post that I read this week from Astral Codex Gen about different paths to AI taking off and becoming artificial general intelligence. Uh, and Tom is going to talk about a very cool post that he uh, read about hammock-driven development. So I'm looking forward to that. Uh, before we dive in, we realized that we really didn't talk much about why we're doing a podcast or who the hell we even are last time. Uh, so we figured, let's do that. And if you skipped the first episode after 30 seconds of Echo, you'll get a feel for who we are. So Tom, why don't you uh, take us away? Well, I thought what we, we could do here, and you know, I love just putting you on the spot completely, and so you can't disagree with me on the uh, we're live on air, but... 
um, talk about why we're doing this recorded speaking to one another and why we wanted to do it with one another. So I'll start just so I, so yeah, to give you a 30 seconds uh, warning. Um, so basically, Elliot and I worked together. We started engineering together. We founded Maxwell Plus together. Uh, and probably 50% of the time we talk about work and the other 50% of the time we talk about everything else. Um, and uh, I love speaking with Elliot about it because he is a engineer by background like myself. So his mind goes in the same same directions as me. Um, but he went a little bit further with the engineering. He, was, uh, he went and did his PhD in biomedical. Uh, and uh, Elliot's natural curiosity for everything uh, is really a great sounding board for me. I'm, I describe myself as an ADHD puppy. And so thinking my own thoughts in my head is very difficult, um, very difficult. And the way I think is by speaking. And over the last, as we've been working together for what is it? I don't know why I looked at my watch, but about four years now. Um, yeah, man. I, yeah, we're it's, coming up uh, on four years, four year anniversary. Yeah, I got um, the, um, just to, to sidetrack us for a second, I got the, the clock I use to le- remember how long the company has been around is when I get the email that my domain name is coming up for renewal, maxwellplus.com. And I got that literally like two minutes before we started recording. So hang on, hang on, hang on. My domain name. Well, have you done a have you done a wee work on me? <laughs> no, no, they are all on my personal account, but it's technically a company asset. That's true. Oh god, oh god, <laughs> you heard that hit? I'm gonna no one del- someone save this recording so it doesn't delete it. <laughs> I actually have a document that assigns it as IP to the company, so I'm safe on that front. Okay, good. Um, anyway, so uh, and over that time, Elliot's become my sounding board for everything weird and wonderful across the world, and. Um, I feel often we talk about things and then I go and talk to other people who probably aren't as close to the, the coal face of tech as we are. And they're pretty interested in like stuff that Elliot and I probably talked about that week. So, uh, that's really why I wanted to start talking to recording this. And the second thing as well is like, honestly, it's a slightly more productive use of our time other than uh, we'd probably be talking for this long anyway, uh, today about these things anyway. So uh didn't really explain who elliot is but anyway phd biomedical engineering good friend of mine we're both from brisbane he's in brisbane at the moment i'm sitting here in london and uh yeah welcome to our podcast awesome that's good now did you want me to give a why i wanted to do it tom because i'm happy to do it um so yeah i mean look obviously there's a lot of overlapping reasons you got from tom who we are what we do why we work together i think tom falls into you know, that, that favorite group of people that I know, which is we can pick up pretty much any random topic and go 10 levels deep on it and it won't get boring. Uh, you know, I think very... we solved it. Oh, yeah, of course. Of course. Especially if there's beers involved, we will solve most of the world's problems uh, mm-hmm. and then promptly, you know, proceed to do nothing about them. But, you know, Tom and I were sitting on a plane going somewhere and we spent a good chunk of the plane ride trying to optimize how to better deliver food and beverages to people on the tra- uh, on the plane with like putting rails in and all sorts of nonsense like that. And I just, I don't know, it's a lot of fun and hopefully it makes for entertaining content because, I mean, we have a great time and uh, I think it's often very interesting stuff and, 
you know, from the times that we've shared this stuff through our writing or Twitter or just chatting with other people, it seems to resonate well. So we figured why not take this on as a challenge? Yeah. We can also both treat this as our personal journey of being less scared of having an opinion in a public place. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I mean, this uh, podcast has been put up on a YouTube channel that I had created probably 12 months ago saying, I am going to start making YouTube videos. And I renamed it to this podcast's name uh, because I never got around to doing it. So I'm glad that we're finally doing that. Good, good. Yeah, that's enough. That's enough about us this week. Let's jump into it. Yep. Uh, what are you What are you talking to us about this week, Alec? What are you so, presenting? This what are you week, to the table? <laughs> what am I bringing to the table? It's a stir in my life. Um, this week, I, amongst a whole bunch of stuff around sort of artificial general intelligence and when it's coming and predictions around it and things, I read a particularly interesting summary from... Uh, Scott Alexander on Astral Codex 10. I swear sometimes that guy writes so much stuff that it must be a team of people. But anyway. Who is he? Who is he? Tell us a little bit about him. So he used to, he's a, I always get these two confused. So if I fuck this up and you're listening, Scott, I apologize. He's, he's a psychologist, maybe a psychiatrist. I don't know. The more legit one. Sorry to whichever large Oof. portion of people I just offended. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm glad we do this in one take. Anyway, uh, based out of New York, he writes uh, under the pseudonym Scott Alexander, uh, and he used to write on a blog called Slate Star Codex. Then one of the New York publications could have been the oh, New York Times. He got doxxed, didn't he? Yeah, they have a policy where they only use people's real names, and obviously he talks a lot about things that not you know obviously he's not breaching patient confidentiality but it may make relationships with his patients weird if you know he's a public figure on a lot of outspoken topics so he pulled that down ultimately came back on uh, on substack as it seems is the flavor of the the 2020s uh with his new blog astral codex 10 and he writes a lot about society humanity quite a bit on artificial intelligence uh surprisingly which is really awesome from my point of view and uh this post was a summary and a review on a couple of different takes on how quickly ai is going to take off uh we'll put it in the show notes uh so that i don't have to read the whole title because it's a debate between a couple of people and one of them has a six syllable surname and I'm not even going to try, uh, but I found it really interesting. So to give you the two-second summary uh, and end my ramble and we can start to discuss it a bit more, the main premise is uh, there's two arguments about how artificial general intelligence is going to come about. So for those not familiar with the term, it's when the AI gets smarter than us and when it's smarter than us and we built it, Theoretically, it can build more AI and it continues to get smarter indefinitely until, you know, it's as smart compared to us as we are compared to snails, for example. Oh, and it's snails as well. Yeah, well, that's all right. It'll but be an like, important, an important yeah. part of that is the speed that it will accelerate past us, right? As well, yeah. Right? Yeah. And and the I think the question that these two groups were trying to answer was, 
will there be enough time in between us realizing the artificial general intelligence is coming and it arriving for us to take the measures to make sure that its first decision is not eradicate all the humans. Um, and it, it's very, he's got other posts on, on, I guess, more specific timelines, but what I found really interesting here was these sort of different looks at how these innovations come about. So the two main clusters were the exponential growth. So basically things are good, then they get a little bit better, and then you've got slightly more resources so you can do something a little bit better again. And this continued in, continuous improvement stacks up non-linearly, obviously, but that's what will get us there. Uh, so it can go very, very quickly, but there's, there's a nice path to follow. The other one uh, is described as the sudden FUM which is where it's nothing, 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 and then it's there. Uh, and the rest of the post really talks about, I guess, the nature of innovation and which one of those is more likely, which I thought was very cool. I'm very much on the, well, I'm in a weird spot with it. I, I wrote about this a little this week in that like, I think it's one of those things where from the inside it looks exponential and from the outside it might look uh, very sudden. So there was that release of that DALL-E 2 network from OpenAI this week. I sent that to you, Tom. Mm, tell uh, us about that. So that's synthetic image generation from text prompts. So you can say, I want a picture of a astronaut riding a horse in the style of Claude Monet. And it'll generate you a pretty convincing looking image. Now it has its shortfalls and things like that, but it was one of those sort of step function changes in our ability to do things. And how is that a how is that a step function? So us, us layman. Yeah, I mean, historically we've had the ability to generate synthetic images, generate images from text prompts and things like this, but as was the quality here and the vastness of the prompts that it will respond to is, is pretty astounding. Uh, and you can start to think, you know, to, to give an example, like Getty images, there's a lot of stock photography. Mm. If you can suddenly say, I would like a picture of three people in a boardroom looking at a whiteboard, pointing at things and high-fiving each other over their success, and it won't just generate you that one image that is on all the billboards and you can't really use it in your marketing because everybody else uses it. Instead, it generates 500 candidate images out of nowhere and you can pick whichever one you want. Mm. Uh, that allows us to do things pretty quickly. I mean, that's a pretty boring example, but you can imagine how that extrapolates to animation. Uh, some of these images are quite photorealistic as well. Uh, just generating a whole lot of content. Well, yeah, the interesting thing to me about that is like the next step of that is uh, like content uh, content production from a video and imaging point of view. So like you could be able to, people like me that could theoretically start creating moving pictures yeah. from it. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Um, I think, yeah, that breaking down those barriers is 
to me so interesting like just enabling people to have that creativity and you know be able to make stuff without needing mm. years and years of training and don't get me wrong like it's not perfect and you eventually start to see the patterns and you think oh, okay fair enough this is ai generated but it does the like 80 to 90 percent job of it very very well and it's amazing um but coming back to the post you know the the post was written earlier this week and and a similar discussion in the post was around GPT-3, which is a text model. So you can type in some prompts around, can you write me a blog post about, you know, X, Y, Z, and it'll spit out paragraph after paragraph of text. And, you know, some people say that was a step function, but then they look at, okay, what was GPT-2 like and GPT-1 and other language models before that and there's a pretty consistent linear trend. And uh, there was a common... linear trend. Well, look, it's a linear trend over the fullness mm -hmm. of time. So there's lots of steps there. But it's one of those things where, you know, the day before the model is released, it doesn't exist. And then the day after, it does. But mm -hmm. behind the scenes, there was hours and hours of work for many, many people to make that happen. So... It's a funny measure, I suppose, to uh, to measure things on. Because, you know, when does the model exist? At what point mm. do, you, do you switch up the capability curve? Um, but there was a, a comment in there which was taken from uh, the website lesswrong.com and it was from uh, the author of gwen.net I hope mm. I pronounced that correctly. And he said something which I remember talking with a friend about long ago, which is that innovation in any field happens as a process of stacked S-curves where you start off slow, you do all the hard work, you invent something, you release it, you rapidly exhaust all of the low-hanging fruit that that thing can do. So let's say we very quickly replace all of the Getty images with DALI equivalents. And mm -hmm. then we get to the territory of, you know what, this AI can't actually do this. It can't do animation. So that's kind of where it starts to stagnate. But at the same time, people are working on the DALI 3s, which may do animated images rather than just static ones. Mm -hmm. And then that S-curve sort of sits above the other one and it starts to ramp up ideally when the other one is slowing down. And if you zoom out far enough, that's what makes curves look exponential. But behind the scenes, you know, there's no such thing as unlimited growth. You've got to have GPUs, you've got to have breakthrough, you've got to have work, you've got to have data. Um, and I think that points a lot more to the exponential looking improvement but realizing that under the hood it's not really a you know tomorrow's dally 2.0001 it's these sort of work on things for a long time release them and then we get a step up in capability and we do that again and again and again which gets us better overall mm. so this is a really 
it, it comes down to like what's your frame of reference right like to be really boring uh about this it's like what are you putting on your x-axis um um but so where do you see what what's where does your opinion lie uh with the state of ai it's like are we are we you know plateauing on a bunch of s curves at the moment or is there things coming out like what's on the horizon do you even know like i understand you probably don't know everything that everyone's working on in the world yeah um i think we're in a we're going to hit some ceilings we're going to hit some hardware ceilings uh and you know if you look back to probably 2020 when crypto was getting hyped suddenly you couldn't buy a gpu no matter what you wanted to do all the gpus were just gone and you look at how little margin there was in the chip manufacturing industry, we're still playing catch up. You couldn't get a GPU, you couldn't get a PlayStation 5 because people bought up all these resources. And now these are the couldn't same. Get a car. Well, yeah, I, I mean, I, yeah, it, it's, and I think if, you know, if the New Zealand government suddenly decided they wanted to build artificial general intelligence, and they were going to invest every tax, uh, tax dollar into buying up hardware and making this possible, we'd hit a production ceiling very, very quickly. At the same time, you know, there are plateaus starting to emerge around some of the techniques we've been using. Deep networks that can only get so deep. And the reality is that no matter how good your network is, there's noise in the data. And eventually you hit a noise floor. So I think there's still breakthroughs to be had. There's still barriers to be overcome around hardware and other things that means that, you know, we're not going to suddenly see artificial general intelligence, you know, just appear overnight in the next couple of years. And I think luckily, yeah, most of the world that is working on artificial intelligence in a very serious way is doing so in a fairly collaborative manner. Now that might not always be the case, but I like to hope as, as a bit of a techno optimist that the work on AI as it approaches this sort of super intelligence will be a lot like the space stations in that it's neutral territory. It's for the benefit of humanity and you better all play nice with each other because this is dangerous stuff. Yeah. So where do you think, where do you think we are in terms of, um, uh, where, where do you think the rate, li the more rate limiting step is, is it hardware or software? Oh, sorry. Or hardware or methodology. I think if you, if you had unlimited budget at the moment, you'd hit a hardware ceiling faster than you'd hit a methodology ceiling mm. in the long term. you know, is the hardware going to keep up with the latest and greatest techniques? We're yet to see. I mean, Google's built custom silicon. Amazon's built custom silicon. Facebook probably will too. What is All that? To custom do. silicon? Is that the M1 chip and things like that? Or? Yeah, well, that's one example of it. Yeah, like Apple's M1 chip. So, you know, people are building CPUs or, you know, in Google's case, these TPUs, these processing units that are like super optimized for the kind of 
operations you need to do for AI, whether that be for mm. training your AI or actually running them in production. Um, because, I mean, GPUs were designed to do graphics rendering, uh, which, excuse me, involves a lot of parallel operations, but they're still quite general in nature. So there's a lot of lot to be gained by building your own hardware, uh, as expensive as it may be. And I mean, it's mm. it's practical if you Google, or if you're Amazon. Uh, but if you or I said, "Let's build our own," it's not really a feasible exercise. And so maybe we're going a bit off topic, but what what is rate limiting about the hardware? Is it, um, for example, you know where? Uh, there's a, there's, you know, we're never going to travel faster than the speed of light kind of thing. Like what, what are the, what are the like first principle rate limits that we've got about current, current, um, hardware? Yeah. I think the thing that would stop us getting to AGI right now is not, it's not necessarily a technological barrier in hardware, which there are many it's, you know, how do we make transistors smaller, uh, so that we can stuff more of them in the same size chip. Well, the problem is that, mm our manufacturing industry would pretty quickly cap out at its ability to produce compute power as quickly as we wanted it to. And then, I mean, these GPUs are power hungry. And if we suddenly ran as many GPUs as we could get our hands on in one spot or even around the world, our demand for power would go up probably quite significantly. You know, you saw some of these Bitcoin mining rigs like wreak havoc on the grid. Uh, mm, 1% you know, of the world's consumption at some point. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, by all estimates of today's methodology, the compute we would need to get to AGI is, you know, probably similar orders of magnitude to um, big cryptocurrency sort of usage. Okay. So it's it's one of these things where it's like, cost prohibitive to even think about and i mean when i say cost i don't mean dollars but obviously it translates to dollars i mean from a, like we would basically have to shut down everything and uh direct every electron of power and every bit of silicon and copper in the world to making gpus to be able to have yeah. the compute power yeah yeah Today, and until there's yeah. until there's a radical change in either the cost effective like the sorry the power effectiveness or the materials used we're probably unlikely to hit the compute required for AGI. Yeah. In 2022, that is true. I mean, they, we could find something that very quickly changes that, but there's nothing uh, to my knowledge that's sort of on the horizon that's that's going to shift that in a drastic way. So dare I, do I, dare I ask, um, how, does, how does quantum computing fit into this? Yeah, I mean, given the fullness of time, do I think the units that run these will be quantum? Probably. But current quantum hardware is, you know, it would not be able to do a whole lot. It's not general purpose. It has very limited compute capacity um, because it's just very hard to build quantum computers. Now, if we got some sort of Moore's quantum law, where the you know power of them doubled every two years or probably faster because if quantum works as it's promised, it'll be very quick. Yeah, we could have those very quickly. 
Um, but we're still quite a long way away from that, I think. Mm. I'm not an expert in quantum, though, so I could be wrong. Okay. Mm. So can you can you tie this all back together for us with where we were and linear versus step change, non-linear versus step change uh, development of AI? Yeah. So I think coming back to the original question from the article, which is, will we have enough time before the AGI arrives, the artificial general intelligence, before it arrives to prepare? Because there'd be huge societal shifts that we need to make if these sort of tools exist. From the best of our current knowledge, I think, yes, there would be enough time Theoretically, there's probably a whole separate discussion of, you know, would we actually spend that ideal amount of time preparing or would it be similar to climate change in that we, you know, put our head in the sand until the AI is knocking on our door saying, hand over your CPUs or pay the price? I don't know the answer to that one. Yeah. It's uh yeah, there's uh the from what you've from what from what I've heard today, I it sounds like we have more than enough time and anything that managed to uh, even get uh even get slightly intelligent, even slightly general would uh run into compute restrictions pretty quick. Um but what what uh worries me about this situation is like the human human's inability to deal with nonlinearity. Um, oh yeah, yeah. Like, and uh, you know, a and something is half its value today and double the value and double the value next year is something like we're just not very good at thinking about. We think in linear trends. We yeah. we're bad at extrapolating. Yeah, and yeah, uh, yeah definitely. And uh, yeah, we're all very good at procrastinating and uh, individually and putting it off to the last moment. And it sounds like it, uh, if the COVID pandemic's shown us is that human uh, humans humans are pretty good at doing that yeah, as, a, as a species. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just one last comment before we switch gears to, uh, to hammocks and things. I think there's also <laughs> uh, a very real fact that like, I think the path towards artificial general intelligence comes from a lot of useful revenue generating products turning into more work. I really find it hard to believe that anyone is going to fund the billions upon billions of dollars necessary to just esoterically work on AGI. So it's going to have to have an ROI before it has general intelligence, which brings in all sorts of other sort of weird economic factors yeah anyway we'll save that one and, and it'll, it'll be and and therefore it'll be a very very specific application of ai that is very lucrative to a few number of people is yeah. probably and so before and we I'll, sign off anything you want to plug any good books you've read interesting things fun um toys? uh so i i've got I've got a new book here. I don't know the brand of it. My little sister got it for me for my birthday. It's beautiful. It's Japanese. It's called Standard and Technology Stationery. Um, beautiful red cover um, and uh, grid 
you can't see it, but it's got uh, a time on the on each axis, uh, each y-axis of the page, y-axis of the page. I don't know that's thing. And then it's got a little date and uh, year marker as well. It's just beautiful. I love it. And then I've got my new pen as well, which I got for my 30th from my parents, which is oh, just makes me happy writing with it. So I don't know. Anything okay. changed in the background for you? You got a blue light this week. That's very exciting. I do. I mean, it was there last week, but I bought it just for YouTube. So I thought, you know what, I'll turn it on. Um, yeah, yeah. But I, the cool thing that I have this week, just let me shuffle around. So uh, I bought a MIDI keyboard and a synthesizer. It's something I've always wanted to learn how to do is, is play you dirty synthesizers. Dirty dog. Uh, so... Who knows? Maybe one day our show intro will be my shitty synthesizer music. <laughs> Can we actually? Uh, I mean, your I, first, your I'm first song that you're not guy. highly embarrassed about that has to be our intro. Oh, look, if we, can, those, if we can change the intro that. when it gets better, uh, yeah. No, 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 no. We're going to go Tim Ferriss on this. Is The intro is going to be the same intro the whole way, okay. even, if you're, even if it's you're lame and you laugh at it, as he said. But um, for those that playing at home and don't know Elliot's a half not a half bad singer as well so it's been a long time I don't know if I'll have vocals in our introduction but we'll see uh, yeah. <laughs> maybe one day all right good stuff Minus man is here. yes good. I just finished are. my coffee that's perfect timing all right well enjoy, to enjoy anyone weekend, watching mate. thanks for tuning in we'll pop a whole bunch of stuff in the show notes Midas also wants to say goodbye uh, but yeah, catch you all next week. Bye-bye, everyone.